and welcome to the podcast, Biblical Question. We are excited you've taken time out of your day to listen to our podcast. For more information about us, you may visit our website at biblicalquestion.com. We will tell you the web address again at the show's end. We encourage you to open your Bible and follow along as we study the Bible. Now here is your host, Joseph. Well, hello there. Welcome to this week's podcast. I am excited that you've taken time out of your day to download this podcast. I know there's many options, but you've chosen us. So I certainly do thank you. I hope and pray that uh, Christ would always be glorified and you would be edified and learn more about God and who He is and His Word. Again, uh, more information about us, I would encourage you to please go to our website as we uh, continue to try to keep that going which if you would consider, please, uh, helping us keep the website and this podcast uh, operational, that would be greatly appreciated. You can do all that, find out information how to do that through the webpage. Today we're going to talk about, can you catch the wind? Can you catch the wind? So open your Bible and follow along. I would encourage you always to do so. And we're going to be in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 1. And if you would like to read with me, that would be super duper. So 1 Corinthians, chapter 1, starting in verse 12, says, The teacher was the king over Israel and Jerusalem. I applied my mind to study and explore by wisdom all that is done under the heavens. What a heavy burden God has laid on mankind. I have seen all the things that are done under the sun, and all of them are meaningless, and chasing after the wind. Verse 15, what is crooked cannot be straightened, what is lacking cannot be counted. I said to myself, look, I have increased in wisdom more than anyone who has ruled over Jerusalem before me. I have experienced much of wisdom and knowledge. Then I applied myself to the understanding of wisdom and also the madness and folly. But I learned that this too is chasing after the wind. Verse 18, for with much wisdom comes much sorrow. The more knowledge, the more grief. The preacher uses many colorful metaphors to describe the vanity of everything he sees and does. And really, in many ways, the book of Ecclesiastes purposely paints this despair and and he feels with the most uses it really honestly the most colorful terms as he describes life. Uh, the endless cycles of the wind, the water, and really just kind of the natural process. So we're kind of going to do an overview of this. Uh, In this passage, the preacher goes on with his uh, really kind of a depressing type message. And, you know, really up to verse 11, it, it is thought that many... Uh, that another person had summed up this entire message of the preacher. Starting then here in verse 12, the preacher talks in the first person and says that he was the king over Israel and Jerusalem. Everything leads one to think that the preacher is really King Solomon. 
a, a man known for great wisdom, which God freely gave him. When God asked Solomon, uh, what was the one thing that he wanted over anything else? Solomon's response basically was that he wanted wisdom. The wisdom to lead and to judge the people. And God grants this. And this is uh, who Solomon is. And to find out the real mother of a child by uh, ordering the son to be divided in half, as you agreed uh, through Solomon's life, makes you really wonder, where did he get these ideas? Where did all these wisdom thoughts come from? Solomon had become rich, really, beyond measure. He probably has more money even than our modern-day type people, if you want to equate uh, the economy of his day and the economy of our day. But it was also Solomon who, who would build stables and fortresses, and, and contrary to the law, it prohibited him, based, really, from multiplying horses. But in other words, the one who would be king over Israel was to trust entirely in the Lord for his safety and not in military alliances with other nations. Another one really is these alliances that were made through marriage. I mean, he would marry kings, daughters of surrounding nations, and in doing so, Solomon again broke the law. These wives, in the end, would really snare him into making places of worship for their uh, so-called gods, he imposed slave labor upon the people of Israel uh, rather than extracting labor from those peoples that he conquered or his father had conquered in the past. Again, another violation of God's law. So the reign of Solomon, which begins with such a promise, really ends with a curse and that his entire empire of Israel will be divided upon the northern and southern tribes. This has come to know after his death. And it's really shortly, very shortly after his death that this happens. So again, here in verse 13, Solomon says that he, he made it the work of his life to search for wisdom. He, he wanted to have total knowledge of everything under the earth. Usually he uses the term under the sun rather than under the heaven. But the meaning really is the same. In Hebrew, this idea of heaven and sun and all is really kind of the same thing. So it really means that he wanted to know everything in the universe. And as God is, is over the heavens, it meant that he wanted to know everything that it was that God had done. God has given him this gift of wisdom Perhaps it also kind of trips him up from time to time where he's trying to find the meaning of everything, even in his own terms. We owe this to the fall of man in the garden, where the devil tempted Adam and Eve with this lie, you shall be like gods, or God knows it all type thing. What God gave as a gift of grace, uh, Solomon considers it, really almost to be this unthinkable burden. 
this task was given to the entire human race to be really just kind of busy work. Everyone knows how tiresome work can become. So perhaps we can relate to Solomon a little bit. The question I ask is, is really this. Do we call God's gift to us a, a wearisome, busy work? We all, of course, could immediately respond with a loud no, but we need to really stop and think things over carefully before we open our mouth and insert our foot into it. As, a, as congregations around that listen to this, we, we have this task to do things. And not all of them are pleasant, but perhaps they are necessary. And as human beings in the church, we sometimes find that a lot of work we have to do comes from those in authority over us, Perhaps we think it's totally useless. You know, I know as a preacher, I freely admit there is this weariness of doing things. Uh, reports, some congregations I, I worked with demanded a monthly report. And they wanted to know every minute, every hour that you did, including at home. And that has really become very wearisome. It becomes a burden. And so... We must be careful not to treat God's gift this way, as, as Solomon, I would say, chasing after the wind. Solomon, who, who had really a life of leisure with wealth and power uh, to do as he pleased, uh, searches after wisdom. And th this idea that we want knowledge and education, I think is fine. It's what do we do with it after we have obtained it. And, and what is Solomon's conclusion? See, he goes on to say it's just futile. It's, it's like trying to grab the, the wind with one of your hands. It's just not going to happen. Imagine having worked all with all these many, many years and come to this conclusion it was all for nothing. Uh, Solomon's not alone in this. I mean, many people have this cynical and this bitterness as, as life wears on, some tragedy comes along and takes away everything they feel like they've ever worked for, everything they've ever strived for. And at the end, it just, it's futile. It's chasing after the wind. What was the purpose? You know, I, I recall visiting a, a gentleman who's now passed on, but uh, in, a, in a nursing facility, Gordon was a very, very nice, gentle giant of a man. And he made a comment to me one time. He'd worked hard all of his life to have all these nice things. And now he knew he was at the end of his life. And he said, it's for what? You know, sitting there in uh, Great Bend, Kansas. You know, he says, for what? I'm down to this little room, this bed, and what few clothes somebody brought me from the house. So Solomon, at some point, sees God who he's trying to get out of all of this, what he can get out of it for himself. Maybe this is kind of a selfish thing on Solomon. Solomon either coins 
are quotes, a proverb that the crooked cannot be made straight and the things that lack cannot be counted. The two halves of these proverbs explain each other. What I think is in this context of this proverb is trying to say is uh, trying to understand that this is a never-ending task. I went to school, got an education, and then I learned in life the more I studied, the more really dumber, ignorant, a lack of knowledge that I really have. The Word of God is very, very deep. And if you really are serious about knowing the corners in the mind of God, this is a lifetime process. And notice here in verse 16, says the preacher continues, he continues with this idea, this rant, that he has studied himself to death. I mean, seriously, you can just sometimes, uh, just too much schooling. I, I know I had an opportunity to go back to school here or, uh, some time ago, and I, at my age, I thought, man, I just don't want to do that. And so, Solomon can't really remember how he gained all of this ability to get the wisdom that he has. And as I tried to mention here before, God gave him this as a gift. And instead of using God's gift to glorify the Lord to the nations, he misuses this gift, trying to know and control everything. And the result of this really is a misuse of the gift and it becomes an utter despair to him. The, the judgment of God upon Solomon was that he's rightfully seeking wisdom. He wants this wisdom to be able to govern and rule the people, God's people. But as these cycles of nature keep going around and around, this gift that God has given him, he starts to see as... It's nothing. It's like chasing after the wind. It just never really ends. And uh, where does it start? Where does it end? Part of the structure of Ecclesiastes is meant to be wearying. And this is not a book I would suggest that you send somebody who's very depressed to read and study. Just giving you a heads up. It's, it can be a very depressing book as you read and study through this. And so, again... This rest from this drone of the preacher, it's just he's got to stop and take a deep breath. Keep in mind that the end of the plug is also something to think about here. Ecclesiastes is because the Lord has a lesson for all of us to learn as we study this book. I feel that we really need to be slow, uh, and, and, and correcting the theology of what we read and what we think that we have an expert saying it. So, this Ecclesiastes, and, and particularly in this particular book, how to get along in this world. The lesson from this text that we're starting to study here is one from approach that is taking easy and get a little rest, do a little study, get a little rest. Others would go to the extremes and say that all the wisdom, especially this academic wisdom, is from the devil himself and leads to a really bad end. But we need to take this, and I think in the context, 
that God is is not condemning what we learn per se, but rather learning which is centered in God's truth. In other words, we should see this as fulfilling the duty of man instead of being this deep thought and Catholicism, catechisms. We really need to have this purpose of studying God's Word, knowing who God is, to glorify God and, and enjoy Him forever and, and be thankful for the gifts that we have. The Apostle Paul says here in uh, Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, Whatsoever we do in word or deed, do in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the Father through Him. So whenever God is not honored in all of our pursuits, and we all pursue something, okay? If we're not honoring God in this, um, we need to stop and rethink our process. This work of mind, uh, our hands, that really leads us into this utter despair. We, we need to stop and say, okay, perhaps I'm doing this, using this gift wrong. But if we honor God in all that we do through the grace that he provides, then everything really becomes a lot more meaningful. And so the main reason I, I, I'm trying to stress this through the book of uh, uh, Ecclesiastes is not to wear you out, and talk to you for 30 minutes, but to make you think a little bit about this book. Going along with this as a duty just to be preaching this. No, there's something more important that we need to learn from this book. How do we think the world reacts to what Clistiastes has to say? Just take some of your dark thoughts about it and multiply it. People who are not Christians do not have uh, this worldview that you and I might have. Many indeed have felt broken. They feel broken. Uh, they feel useless. And they're at the point of giving up. You need to enter into their pain, perhaps. I, if you're honest with yourself, You've either felt this way or feeling this way this moment. God is, is a holy God. There, there's a Hebrew saying that um, God is the most holy. I know uh, Calvin and, and other reformers, I preached that God was the God of wrath as well as a God of love. There was this balance that they taught I think today we see so much preaching done about God's love. And I know when I talk about the wrath of God on this podcast, uh, sure enough, I guarantee I'm going to get an email or somebody who knows me personally will mumble something about we get enough uh, mead stuff, enough reminders how wrong we are and the mistakes we make either through our spouses or at work or teacher or whatever. We don't need to go to church on Sunday. We don't need to listen to a Christian podcast to remind us how bad we really are. I, I really believe that preaching the law of Christ is very necessary to show salvation 
is impossible to obtain by human effort. As long as a man thinks he can save himself, he will, you're going to choose that option. I believe the Bible clearly teaches this is not an option. Some of us have to really go through some really hard times before we really accept who Christ is on his terms and not on our terms. So we think that we can tell God how life is going to be, uh, what kind of chocolates you want to eat and so forth. He will have to do what you say. And that's just not true. The book of Ecclesiastes needs to be preached in this kind of a light too. That God has demonstrated to us by the life, death, and burial, the resurrection of Jesus is the only means of salvation. Nothing else can save you. The people that you and I talk with and visit with, we... They really need to know this. You, you and I really need to lead them to a logical conclusion that no matter what, all their endeavors uh, to find the meaning of life without Christ really leads to hopelessness, despair. But when they're really truly ready to learn who Christ is, there's no shortcut in this process. We all need to be able to demonstrate, be able to show them through God's word that if the person of the world were to follow their own pursuit, it is the only logical conclusion is that Christ is the answer. Anything else is futile and you will face death. Solomon tried to go about his own way to find the meaning of life. And in the end, he says he comes up empty. He says it's like chasing after the wind. There is no true answer for him. So whatever way you and I choose, we, we really need to see who Christ is. We need to get off the wrong path and get on the narrow path as the old sermons go. There is a worldly answer. We are born with nothing and we die with nothing. So what difference does it really make how high we rise or how long we go. Life is short. Death comes to all. We might also let them know that after this appointment with death comes the judgment. Their fate, my fate, your fate, all comes down to what have we studied in the Word of God and we accepted who Christ is are we being a faithful, obedient follower? Is Jesus our shepherd? Is he, are we in his flock? You know, we can present hope to those who have despair by God's grace and lead them to who Jesus truly is. Seeking out that wisdom without Christ leads to emptiness and foolishness. But he who comes to Christ will find wisdom in God. So if you notice, this is the, I did not put an ad or any encouragement in this podcast, so we're running a little short, and I did that on purpose. I wanted to verbally ask that you please find a way to be 
prayerful about this ministry. It is a ministry that I've taken very serious for the last three and a half to four years. I thoroughly enjoy studying and presenting a weekly podcast. We have many listeners overseas and third world countries who download this podcast five, six, seven at a time at an internet cafe. They take it home and they listen to it over the next couple of weeks. And then they go back to the internet cafe, which they have to pay. For those who don't realize this, they pay to get on the internet and find these podcasts. We have been in downloaded in every major country except North Korea and mainland China. We have at least one from every country that I can think of, what I would call major country, large country in the world. And many of those countries are in persecuted nations. And I pray to each and every day for the church that's persecuted. For if you're listening to this and you're persecuted because of your faith in Christ, know that I'm praying for you. Others are praying for you. We have uh, prayer warriors uh, that check out our prayer request page. That doesn't change as often uh, as I would like it to. We we prayer requests do come in a little here and a little there and. But if you really have a prayer need, you can drop us an email. You can contact us through our webpage. And this is another reason I really want to keep the webpage up and going. I'm not so big on social media, but the webpage, I think, is a good place to direct people to request those prayer needs, uh, to celebrate. You know, I think in the three or four years I've done this, We've only had a handful of people email and say, I want a prayer of thanks. God has answered a prayer. And we're so heavy on our request for help, and it's okay. I mean, if you also want to have a prayer or rejoice and ask people to, uh, to rejoice with you in prayer, that would be great. Uh, what an honorable thing to do. Please be in consideration of helping us keep this uh, webpage up and going the uh, podcast going each and every week. Would I love to be able to do this on a daily basis? Yeah, sure. If I could financially do it, uh, I would love it. And so uh, please pray for me as we, as I try to figure out how to keep this going. Uh, again, I want to thank you for listening. I, I really do appreciate the fact that you've downloaded, listened to this completely through. Please tell others about us. Tell them how you found us. If you're new to the podcast, if you've been listening for years, you can do the same thing. You can forward uh, the links to your friends. You can post them on your Facebook or Twitter accounts, whatever you're on, and try to help me get uh, people there. I just truly want people to hear God's Word. Again, I want to thank you for listening. Uh, may God always bless you. May he always have the glory. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Be sure to hit the like button and follow us on your podcasting app. Please check out our website at biblicalquestion.com. All one word, all lowercase. In addition, we have a prayer request page, a way of contacting us, a statement of faith, and other resources for our listeners. Do you have a Bible question you would like answered on a future podcast? 
or prayer request. We would be honored to hear from you and add your prayer request to our list so others may pray for you. Subscribe to our newsletter and follow us on our social media accounts. Again, that is biblicalquestion.com. Thank you and may He have the glory.